0: hello and welcome to this episode of the podcast very special episode where we have the privilege of introducing miss kimberly brown a highly accomplished professional with a wealth of experience in commercial real estate and community impact over the course of more than three decades kim's skills and experience spans various facets of commercial real estate which includes investment sales brokerage, and asset services. Over the years, she's made significant contributions to renowned firms like Cushman and & Wakefield and JRT Realty Group. Kim's portfolio showcases her versatility across all sectors of commercial real estate, ranging from office and industrial properties to retail and multifamily developments. And her achievements are vast, and it would take up probably an entire episode to talk about them all here, but I'll list just a few to give you an idea of her range. She recently facilitated a landmark transaction representing UCLA in the acquisition of a former 24 plus acre campus, which also includes an 86 unit residential community. She's the founder and principal broker of Impact Realty. She's the president of AREP LA, which is the African-American real estate professionals in Los Angeles chapter. She was recently recognized as the 2023 Commercial Real Estate Woman of the Year by NAOP SoCal and Crew Los Angeles. And she was recently named a corporate brand ambassador of Solar Landscape. So I hope you enjoy this conversation as we dive into Kim Brown's exceptional career, her impact on community development, and her mission to bridge the equity gap in commercial real estate and urban communities. So I am pleased to present Ms. Kim Brown, who I consider a colleague, a friend, and in many ways, a mentor.
1: Wow. Thank you, Dustin. I am, first of all, I'm just delighted to be here. Second of all, all of that said, I'm a broker. <laughs> I broker people, <laughs> rooftop land, capital, all of that. So that's kind of what all that translates to. But first, let me just start off by saying I am delighted. And, and it's so interesting, Dustin, when you reached out to me, if you recall, I told you, I said, listen, I've kind of got a moratorium on podcasts going right now because I'm teetering on overexposure. But for you, I have to just because I've got to honor our friendship, our relationship. And you and I have been at this thing, you know, for a couple of years now and trying to create solutions around bringing more folks of color into this industry. And we're aligned in that. And so I had to tell you, yes, and I'm glad I did. So I'm excited to be here this morning.
0: Well, thank you so much. And, and I am very confident that through this conversation, that if any of the people that are listening are not familiar with you, will get a better idea of who you are and, and what makes you tick and, and some of the things that make you really special.
1: Thank you. Good stuff. I'm excited. Let's get going. We got a lot to let's, talk
0: about. There's a lot roll. going on. Yeah. Well, first I I said the bio, but I want to give you an opportunity to tell us a bit about yourself and your role at your your organization.
1: Yeah, no, thank you. So, um a couple things and and I move in a couple of different lanes. And so one is, you know, my professional space which, you know, I've got three decade. I'm almost like I almost stopped saying that just cuz I just say decades long career Um, started actually in operations and property management, many, many moons ago, straight out of college, um, back when asbestos was the thing. And I was hired as I took a job in college as an asbestos coordinator. I'm not even kidding. And so through that journey, um, I've survived, you know, I've worked for some of the larger firms. I actually worked for, uh, a, a firm that was acquired by Insignia or CBRE many, many years ago. So I kind of worked for CBRE for a month, Cushman and Wakefield. Um, also the last firm that I worked for was a commercial brokerage firm, women led firm out of New York. So background in operations, background in brokerage background in the supplier diversity space as it relates to brokerage. So that's kind of my professional career. Fast forward to 2020 and what happened, the, the unfortunate events and everything. After that, um, this organization that I currently lead uh, kind of got thrust out into the the uh, uh, limelight a bit just because of... Um, you know, where the, where the industry was and the industry's like clamoring for solutions and what have you. So ARAP LA is part of a national network of chapters. As you know, we've got about a dozen chapters still loading around the country. The thing about it, the organization started about 30 years ago in New York. So if anybody's listening from New York, you remember ARAP in the nineties, that's the legacy of ARAP New York. It was rebranded as CURE, but, um, but fast forward. So its flagship chapters, and so, what's ironic, and I'll bring this conversation full circle around A. is this moment. This moment that we're in is a moment, and there's a couple things going. There's a housing crisis across America. My background's not even in multifamily, but suddenly, I'm 99% <laughs> in the multifamily <laughs> space because of this housing crisis. Secondly, we've got a an unprecedented number of Black mayors around the country. And ironically, those Black mayors are elected officials in the markets where we've got ARAP chapters. And so those Black mayors are looking like here in LA, we've got our first woman Black mayor. She's the 43rd mayor, city of Los Angeles. She's told us, I need this organization behind me. Like if it's not us, then who as she is... Executing on her strategy, and our role is to ensure equity is embedded and this story is repeated across the country. So it's really kind of thrust me, this is a long answer, it's really kind of thrust me into a unique position where my professional background and my mission driven alignment intersect. And so it's a great, great opportunity, a great lane, and a great one way, and I'm seizing the moment.
0: I want to I want to go back to the beginning of your of your journey because I, I found that sometimes in having these conversations you mentioned getting in on the operation side and the property management side, you know, that can lead to like weaving together the story of of the moment that we're in. Can you talk about how you originally got into the industry and what were the things that either led you to it or attracted you to the industry?
1: Oh, yeah, sure. And so I fell into it. Like for most of us, it's interesting if I look at the comparison. Now we've got three or four or five generations in the workforce because there's some folks that are on uh, above baby boomers that are still hanging around. I know a broker here in Southern California is probably in his 80s now. So he's in a different generation. So um, when we were coming up and this is late night, had no clue, no clue about commercial real estate. Right. I'm just simply responding to a job opportunity on the job board at school. And so here I respond to this job. It happens to be a developer in Beverly Hills, and so they had some assets in Century City, some high-rise office towers. I'm like, wow, no clue, no clue what I'm walking into. But it looked like back then it was paying like twelve dollars an hour, which meant I was rich compared to everybody else because minimum wage was like three thirty-five then, right? Hmm. So I'm like, wow, whatever this is, you know, flexible hours, up to twenty-five hours a week. I got it. So just completely. And then from there, um just early on, always had mentors, always had mentors. There were always folks, and I could look back on the journey, there were always folks that sponsored me, right, on some level. Um, traditionally, they were white men, um, the industry as such. And so even from that very first moment, I didn't recognize it then, but I had a sponsor. And then from there, um, moved into, so then I'm now I'm in the property management space, I'm enjoying it, and then more opportunities came. Then, but then, again, always having like a sponsor that made, even when I moved to New York, I mean, there was someone in position to rally to announce to New York that I was coming to create an opportunity and a lane for me in New York. Even when I returned from New York to L.A., <laughs> there was someone here that was prominent that was like, hey, she's returning Cushman and Wakefield roll out the carpet, right? And so it's, that's been key. And and, and I, that's almost, um, it, it's so important for folks to find someone in the industry, not just to be a mentor, but to actually try and find someone that's got social capital, social currency, someone to really look out for you as you chart your path and blaze your so trail. What-
0: What did that look like at the time? Because you mentioned that you didn't recognize it at the time. Mm -hmm. What were those things that they did to, I mean, was it advice? Was it, and you said roll off the red carpet, but could you, could you paint that picture and what the the existence really looked like?
1: Yeah, no, that's a great question. I've never been asked that question. That's a great question. So, and honestly, I can look back. I'm just grateful for it. I, I don't even have like a good answer for it. It's almost like folks saw something in me that I probably didn't even see at that particular time. Right. And if I look back on my journey, I can look back and see who's been placed in my path. I can see some of the things that um, I've done. It's just making yourself open and available, making yourself likable. Let me just say, listen, Mm. (laughs) straight out the (laughs) gate, straight out the gate, being self-aware if you don't do anything else if under the sound of my voice is be self-aware, be self-aware about how you are projecting what you are projecting your body language, your smile. Like you definitely want to be open. And, and let's face it, even being a person of color, um, you really have to be self-aware and mindful. And I think I, I don't say that I was self-aware, but if I look back, it was some aspect of, my personality that created this. And so what these folks would do is they would make sure I was always plugged into opportunities, right? Hmm. Like they would always come for me, like come back. One fellow was a fellow by the name of John Combs. He, he was president of Insignia, um, president of an O'Donnell property management group back in the 90s. And then he was president of Insignia's US, what what have you. And then he went on to form his own firm, River Rock Real Estate Group in Irvine here in Southern California. I mean, John always came back to get me, always came for me, right? And this is like, we've got a 30-year relationship. Um, and even most recently, a little mad at me right now, but that's okay if you folks are a little mad. Okay, <laughs> hi, John. Um, but yeah, so those are, that's just an example of really having sponsors. When spot, when you're always in their minds for opportunities, there was a, and you have to stop me because you know I can suck the air right out of this podcast. I know, I'm, hey, I'm, I'm,
0: <laughs> I'm in, I'm, I'm okay. listening i love
1: this so there was this meme that i saw ebony horace i was she's a a board member or one of the officers of arab bay area hey ebony she uh she's also big with boma up in san francisco she posted something and she was like shout out to those who speak on my name when i'm not in the room that's a sponsor
0: yeah that's
1: a sponsor when i'm not in the room and they're no in a room shout out to those who 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 speak on my name in a room full of opportunities I think it was something along those lines that's what a sponsor is
0: I love that I love that so okay so you 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 go you're in you're in LA you're you're doing so then you move to New York you tell about that experience and, and what brought you there and what that opportunity was
1: yeah, no, loved this. So I was married at the time. And so my, my husband, my then husband had a role to, uh, to transfer. He was with Fox at that point. And so they were moving him to the headquarters. So I'm like, okay. So again, I let my mentor John Combs know at that particular time, John's making phone calls, right? So I get to New York, there's like a, there's a position waiting for me. And so it was interesting when I got there, because I at that point had been sort of elevated to a portfolio manager here, still in operation, still in property management. This is in the late 90s, and I never forget. I got to New York, and one of the first role I did a little bit of a pivot with another firm, and was directly managing uh, two buildings in New York. I'll never forget 51 Worth 52nd Street and 527 Madison Avenue. So one, most building managers in New York are men. Two, I'm a woman of color. Three, and the biggest is that I'm not from New York. So Mm. here I am, and I hadn't directly managed in a long time, but, you know, there was this opportunity for me, and it was, you know, a great way to segue into the city and get used to, oh my God, like it was a whole different world, right? And so Um, So that was good. And then, again, another opportunity opened up for me. Uh, I was, again, through sponsorships. And so they were like, hey, TIA Cref, big pension fund in New York. Um, At this point, I was with the firm with Insignia is looking for we need an account manager. We need someone to manage this account It's growing as fast as furious. It's got a whole bunch of dynamics and nuances, et cetera. We want you to do it, right? Introduce me to the client. So in New York, I then move into this role where I'm managing this large account of realist of 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 uh, uh, you know leasing and management. I am then asked to, um, this is kind of a complicated story, because TI Cref is TIA Cref, like so 80% and i my number of their participants are women, right? Because it's teachers, insurance, and annuity is how it started. Mm-hmm. And so it's teachers, which traditionally teachers, educators, many times tend to be majority women. So they always had a equity platform, right? Or a diversity platform, let's say, from way, way back, CalPERS too, before this was even a thing, right? And so TIAA-CREF was also strong on MWBE Participation. So, this I was asked to join this women led brokerage firm in New York because T.I. Cref had hired them and to be able to kind of be the catalyst for pulling this assignment together, which would give T.I. Cref some supplier diversity, um, credit for lack of a better, a terrible way to say it, but some exposure. And then, you know, it's also for the greater good, and that happened to be their slogan. So, long story short, short story long, that opened up my Rolodex in a huge Mm. way. Because now I've got this national account. That's the cat's meow. Everybody, it's one of the most prestigious accounts to have. It's TIA Cref. So that just expanded my reach, expanded my Rolodex. Um, In addition to that, because it was a women-led brokerage firm, I was also business development. So I was also charged with working with the principal of that firm and bringing in new business. And that business was oftentimes what we would call corporate occupiers, fortune 500 business. So we're chasing down the JP Morgan's of the world, trying to get their brokerage business, right. Trying to get their transactions business that exposed me to a ton of people.
0: Um, So in in that, in that role, when you, when you took that opportunity, was that, a stretch for you? Like what, what, what did you see as far as in your personality and your, your skills? What were the challenges that you had in? Cause it sounds like that was a, that was a major step.
1: Yeah, no, I mean, listen, it was just evolving, right? It was touch and go. It was like, oh, okay, we're doing this now. Um, and so, and honestly, a lot of it was just on the fly, right? Mm. Like, oh, okay. Now we're going to be pursuing a global occupy fortune ranked business. So now I'm sitting in these meetings with the global heads of real estate for some of the top, you know, fortune ranked firms around the country, just doing my shtick. But, but I would always figure out, and here's my nugget. I would always figure out some hook, some angle to differentiate always, Hmm. always. And still to this day, like there's going to be some aspect, no matter what I do, that's going to be unique to the marketplace. And so that's a little bit of nugget in, in anything, particularly in your pursuits. Like you want to find an angle where you can differentiate yourself from the pack or the marketplace hasn't seen what you're bringing to the table.
0: And at that time, were you like, how, how did you get that mindset? Was that something that you were, when you had that experience, you were thinking like, Oh, I need to do this or that or was there anything from your past that led you to to develop that mindset?
1: Great question you got some good ones okay so well
0: i i just want to know oh no listen <laughs> Selfishly, i one. I want to know because i'm I'm so impressed with what you what you've done and you know to to hear you actually speak on it is is great
1: now listen and and so I will tell you and i tell people this so as that story evolves and now i'm pursuing i've Moving into more of a business development role, chasing brokerage business for Fortune Rank companies, right? So that's putting me at some of these big tables and putting me in front of a number of folks. I'm also working with two New York brokers. So I tell people, I was raised by wolves, right? Like it's like being raised by, like, because you're right, like the way I move and the way I interact, because I, it's a different animal to be able to cut your teeth in New York brokerage, right? And in that environment. So even to this day, I've got fantastic brokerage relationships. Some Again, some phenomenal brokers in New York that I've known for, you know, 25 years now, right? That I can pick up the phone and call Bruce Mosler, who's foreign, you know, who's vice chair at Cushman, top producer in the country. I could pick up the phone and call Mitch Root, who's CEO of South, like all of those relationships came from my time in New York, being connected to Jody Police, who was president of, of JRT Realty Group, and just traveling in those circles, and so it created kind of a mindset for me. Because and so I can be a bit much <laughs> here in LA sometimes in my approach because I was raised that way in 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 brokerage at least. I mean, I started obviously in property management as I shared, but my my rearing in brokerage was
0: two New York brokers. Mm. Mm, that's fantastic. Yeah. So Okay. So so you're in New York. Uh I don't want to skip steps here, but when when did you how long were you there and when did you come back to to the West Coast? Yep, was there yep, anything so was, in
1: between? Yep. So I was in New York for five years. And then return, and it just got at that point, you know, my daughter had come, and it was like, okay, looking outside, in the winter time, and then calling back home, and there was like Christmas time, and they're like, oh, we're in the backyard, we're barbecuing by the pool, like what? And I'm looking outside, and it's like a foot of snow. Like, All right, that's it, let's go. So, um, get back here. Been back here actually, 20 years. So New York seems a world away now, but um, get back here. At this point, we had then moved over to Cushman and Wakefield. Um, And so, because I'm still with that small women's business enterprise, long story, we were aligned with Insignia. Insignia went on to be acquired by CBRE. And then we decided that uh, we were with CBRE for about a month. And then we decided to take the show over to Cushman and Wakefield. So got back here, Cushman and Wakefield. Again, similar role. I kind of convinced them, oh, I can still do the same role from Southern California. I'll be up at 5 a.m. and starting to, you know, that lasted for a couple of weeks. And I was like, all right, I'm just going to have my BlackBerry. (laughs) Remember the BlackBerry? (laughs) Yeah, I do. (laughs) Had every color, every brand, every still got one. I wish I could find it. But nevertheless, got back here, and then the role became JRT's West Coast platform. So that just has me in complete business development role uh, out here, primarily interacting with brokers out here. So now that, through that process, that helped me to uh, cultivate a deep network in the brokerage community here in Southern California. So now I've got the brokerage community in New York. I've got, because I manage the Craft national account, I've got brokerage relationships across the country, but the depth is in New York and the depth is in California. So for the past 20 years, just really, you know, great relationships throughout the brokerage community here. And so to bring it full circle, um, as I'm moving into this mission-driven work, all of these networks are colliding and they all Mm -hmm. play a part. I'm leveraging, I've got, I think, four networks and they're all, I'm leveraging them all.
0: You know, there's something that, that I, I shared, uh, I'm not sure if I shared it on the, on the show before, but a couple of years ago, I was talking to somebody about the Venn diagram of my life and how it didn't really connect. Like they didn't really overlap. And, you know, the things that I did for the, you know, my volunteer work and things I do in the community didn't really overlap with my day job. And the people that I played sports with didn't really listen to the same music I listened to. And I was talking to somebody about that. And like, you know, these, everything seems separate. Like, and I, and I referred to a Venn diagram and I said, they don't overlap. And the person said to me, he's like, well, have you ever stopped to think that maybe there are no circles? And it was so simple. And I, but it was profound to me because it was like, yeah, wait a minute. What? Like there are no circles. Maybe I'm keeping them apart for some reason. I don't know, but I'm, I'm having them. But so, so now I feel that everything that I've been doing and, you know, the mission driven work and, and the community involvement and my career and my interests and in technology and sustainability and the people that I'm friends with, like I'm bringing everything together and it feels special. And I, And I feel like you're, you're hitting on that note right there.
1: No, and you know, you and I have had these conversations. I mean, this is exactly mm-hmm. it. I mean, what you've done with Beekrin is phenomenal. And so like there's opportunities to leverage all of your interests, right? And sometimes, and listen, and I tell the Gen Z on the phone because they all want impact work. They want to get to zero and 50 by next year, right? Like this stuff takes time. I mean, we, you and I have careers that have spanned some time here, right? And so while I encourage folks to to pursue kind of some mission-driven alignment in what they're doing, but it's not like you can just graduate school and fall into something like what, what you speak of. And so mm. it takes time to arrive there. But if you, when you arrive there, like to your point, like it's a great feeling, right? Cause it's, and John Combs told me this, he goes, you know, like to have your personal, like your mission driven and your personal goals align with your professional goals is a special a special place to be and not everyone gets there but I think if folks can be mindful of it and the moves they make, Gen Z is coming straight out. They're getting there. Listen, I hear from these kids ev- all the time. They're like, listen, just, I need, I need, I want to go work for a black developer in LA. Like I want to do mission driven. Like, mm-mm, don't want to no, You should probably take a look at broker. No, not interested. I want to make an impact, right? Right out the gate. Or I want to go into renewable energy. I want to do something like, I want to make an impact right out the gate for the good of good of the world, good of the community. I mean, they're just wired that way. Um, but the problem is, you know, they, they think they can get there like snapping their fingers, but now listen, congrats to you, Dustin, cause that's a great place to be.
0: Oh, thank you. And, and it, it feels harmonious, mm-hmm. you know, it feels, it feels, um, you know, not, not perfect all the time. And, you know, there's a balance there and trying to figure out where to put your attention, your, your time, your resources, but there is a, there is a harmony and, um, it feels good. So thank you.
1: No, that's awesome, and a, and a way to utilize all of your interests, your passions, and your skills, right? And
0: so, yeah. nope, good stuff. And again, it didn't it didn't happen overnight, and everything's been you know siloed in a way. But finding a way through time and organically having them all blend and come together, and for the greater good for mm-hmm. for you know not just me feeling the harmony, but those around us in our community, uh, our colleagues, our work partners, every everybody, the whole world. Um, no.
1: And make a buck or two in the process.
0: Oh yeah, of course, of course, of um, course. Yeah, I mean that's that's the business part. That's the business part. So so I want to make sure that we utilize our time effectively and talk about some of the things. Speaking of these these endeavors that that are near and dear to your heart, I wanted to give you the opportunity to talk about some of those things and and you could take whichever one that you want to start with. Whether you know it's a rep, it's the solar, but you know whatever whatever you want.
1: It, it, and I appreciate that. It's so, let me see how I can distill this. It's so, so, basic, <laughs> <laughs> so basically this is, and I tell folks, listen, I'm a servant leader, but I'm also a catalyst, right? And so everything I do is centered around, I got to look at my list here. Everything I do is centered around bridging the gap, right? And so these gaps include, you know, inequity, social health, wealth, capital, environmental, climate, and now energy. And we'll get to that. So even all my board affiliations, I've kind of scrubbed everything. And so now, right now, everything that I'm involved in aligns around that. And so, like I sit on the advisory, I'm an advisor for um, the Well Building Institute's health equity advisory, right? Well, I accepted that because, listen, there's food deserts in our, in our communities of color, right? And so I can have a seat, I can have a voice, not a bunch of, you know, and so it creates an opportunity for me to make an impact in that as well, supporting Wells' mission, which is for the greater good. So, and then you've got, you know, my role in ARAP in this ecosystem, uh, and includes Bee Grin, that includes Project REAP, that includes, like, it includes all of these um, trade organizations and these associations. And it's also, it also includes kind of the intersection of what's happening within these black communities and black and brown communities of color across the country. And these communities that what I call are have been historically overlooked, right, in terms of investment, in terms of everything, actually. And and, and it's intentional and it's systemic. And there's some reasons why it is the way there's redlining and there's zoning and there's just all this other stuff that goes. There's environmental justice and just all these other issues around these communities as to why they are, but they are. And so for years, for the past 50 years, my parents were some of the first black folks in LA to move past redlining. And so, you know, they, they, my mother's seen a lot. So she's 90 years old, 60 years in the same house. She's seen shifting and shaking and everything. So, but what's happening now is, is, is now these historically overlooked communities that have, and this is around the country that have experienced, No one's been looking at them. They're not even a market. If you go look on any brokerage firms, they're not even identified as marketplaces, right? It's everything around (laughs) these communities that are South Bay, downtown LA, Westside, like they're all markets, but not South LA, right? And so Now you've got, they've experienced years of disinvestment. So not only have they not experienced investment, listen, investment's pulled out of these communities. And again, that's systemic. That's the whole conversation. But you fast forward to today, it's the last frontier because now there's a housing crisis across America. There has been and there continues to be, and there is a surge in investment pouring into sitting on the sidelines with insatiable appetite, looking for deals, looking for access, looking for local developers, looking for sponsor operate, looking for, and looking for investment partners targeted in that community. Like I've got, um, and so I get, so I'm a catalyst in a number of different ways. So one, on the investment sales pipeline, right? So I've got a network of capital markets brokers across firms. I'm agnostic, what they call agnostic in the sense that, you know, I can work with having rolled out of Cushman and Wakefield into my own platform. I can work with Newmark, Thank you, Newmark, for your re-up sponsorship. I can work with uh, uh, Avison Young. I can work with JL. I can work with anybody. And so, so that creates a lane for me because now I've got access to a market that traditionally, you know, the Legacy Brokers Network ha- does not. Um, the second piece of that is access to capital. And this is huge. And this will lead me to just kind of a, a roll into kind of the second lane. So investment sales is one. So again, broker, broker of real estate, of land, um, broker of people, just goes with the territory, broker of access to capital, bridging the gap. What we have, and I get this constantly, my inbox stays full of deals. And these are traditionally developers of color that need equity, right? On the other hand, my inbox is full of folks with capital from different buckets, be it institutional, be it With impact investment funds, uh, 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 be it uh, private equity, be it private client, family office, be it opportunity zone funds, foreign capital. I mean, everybody's like, listen, I'd like to, they tell me, Kim, we'd like to meet new friends. That's code for we'd like to meet developers in your ecosystem with deals. So for me, and then I've got a network of capital placement agents around the country. And so for me, I can bridge all of that. And so with that has come an opportunity. Um, uh, And so we're in the process now. There's a a group, and actually this is kind of the first conversation about it. I checked with my partners and they were good with me mentioning it, but I'm I'm entering into a platform with uh, a couple of folks, a couple of prominent folks in the industry, a strategic partnership. Uh, It's going to be an investment management platform around debt, equity, development, and investment. And uh, so the main partner, is uh, Cherie Franklin, who we call the godmother of commercial real estate here in Southern California. And she's a 30-year legacy developer, a Black woman. The
0: second uh, I, I, I met her at the Reese uh, event in LA a few weeks ago. Yeah, she's yeah. fantastic.
1: Oh, powerhouse, powerhouse. And so she is leading the charge, track record, all of that. Um, expertise, she's highly regarded in commercial real estate circles, not just in South LA area, but even though that's kind of her core uh, uh, marketplace, but just throughout Southern California. I mean, she's looked upon, she's advised every, the last four mayors around their housing strategy. So she's just prominent. So she is uh, taking the lead in the partnership. And then we also have a fellow by the name of Fred White, who just rolled out. He's a, a a lending strategist, just a lending advisor, just, you know, a deep experience working in an institutional. He just rolled out of the city of Los Angeles. He was hired under the, the last administration. And so the three of us have come together. We also have another person that is aligning with him, super prominent here in LA. And I don't want to mention his name yet, but but nevertheless. So that's our platform. Our platform will be bridging the gap. We already have interest. We've already got investors. We've already got uh uh uh, deals we certainly have deals um and so that because what we're finding is there's this gap and not to get too deep into the woods but if you've got a 200 million dollar deal and you're a developer of color you can probably find some capital if it meets all the mandates and meets all the return requirements there's this and we we measure by equity check so if you've got a sixty five hundred million dollar equity check requirement you can probably, and and it's got to reach a return target, it can probably find some capital. There's a gap in what we call this five to $20 million equity check space. That's a certain size deal. And that tends to be, that's almost like a, for purposes of this conversation, it's like a 50 unit housing uh, uh, project, right? Too small for institutional capital, but too large for friends and family. And so it's stuck, right? And that tends to be the lion's share of the deals. And so that's a whole nother podcast, because what ends up happening is the developers that are supposed to be um, supported in this impact investment space are, are still not, it's not working. Something's not working the way it should be working. And so that's what we're here to address. And then lastly, and all of this is all organic to me because it's all the same people and it's all the same conversation. Lastly, as you mentioned, I just signed on as a corporate, uh, uh, solar ambassador for community solar, really quick community solar is, uh, Coming to California, it's been successful in Illinois and about 21 other states, and primarily New York and New Jersey. But what it looks like is it's providing renewable energy, solar, to low income or uh, communities where there have been some energy inequities, right? where it's difficult to access renewable energy. And so what it looks like is we need our landlords, those same developers, or other developers to give up their rooftop space. That rooftop space, they get, that's a lease. So I'm a broker, so I'm leasing rooftop space. And so that rooftop space then allows a solar developer, very similar to real estate development, to develop on that rooftop space, produce that energy. That energy then goes back to the utility company's grid, and then that utility company then can give its users credit. To, on their bills towards sustainable. So it's not, it's not like having panels on your roof where you're gonna generate all that, but it's creating some form of equity where people that don't own a home, because not everybody can, you know, listen, if you if you're renting, you nothing you could do. Right. And so this is a solution around that. So
0: those are that's it. Well, so that, that's something. I mean, we need to talk about this offline because what some of the projects that I'm working on have have to do with solar and sustainability and EV charging stations and you know microgrids and there's a lot there and you know different type of government credits and yeah, there's a, there's a lot there. So I I you're on. I think we're on the right track.
1: And actually, so now call now. me, let's schedule after this because I, I forget your utility in San Diego, but they are subscribing to this enter, to the uh, California. It's actually Governor Newsom assigned a bill, and so it's in the rulemaking phase with the C California Public Utilities Commission, et cetera. California, Southern California, Edison, and PG&E are the three, or San Diego. What's your San Diego San, gas? Uh, SD,
0: SDG&E, but it's a separate company.
1: Mm-hmm. SDG&E, SCE, and PG&E are all yeah. part of the mix. So let's schedule.
0: Let's do it. Ah, well, so, okay. I, I want to, you, you covered a lot. Um, I want to ask you a question about how you look back on, on things. You touched on it when you talk about your, you know, the mentors and having sponsors when you first started out. If you were to talk to 16 year old, 17 year old Kimberly Brown, what advice or what suggestions would, would you give her?
1: Oh my God, like I almost, like it's almost like an emotional, like I would not have seen my journey like coming full circle like this, right? And so I would tell her, listen, you're a leader, leverage your leadership capabilities. I can see it. I was always, I was always the organizer. I was, I've always, even when I didn't know it, I've always been the galvanizer, but I didn't know it. Right. And so I didn't always leverage that. But I mean, listen, like I I was always class mom or I was always team mom or I was always during George Floyd. Listen, I have 500 people in the street here in Long Beach marching. Right. Mm -hmm. Like I was always the galvanizer. And so I didn't recognize that. And maybe you don't at 16. Right. But but I wish I could go back and tell her that. But I have no regrets in the journey because it it brought me here the ups and downs. And listen, it has not been pretty the whole way. But I, I will tell you, I've always had some form of an ally or just some form of someone that was looking out for me. And, and I'm grateful for it, and I, and I recognize that.
0: The, and the fact that you recognize it and you see it, you're, you're, you're cognizant of it, and you mentioned before about that self-awareness, like how you carry yourself and how you interact with other people and your, that awareness – I think it goes a long way. I, th- I think it does. And uh, I see it in the way you interact with, with those that, that are curious or need some help or some guidance. And I, and I see that in the way you move. So yeah, and, you're doing and, it.
1: And I see it in you. That's why, you know, listen, we recognize it, right? Cause I mean, we both are cut from that and you've got the ability to galvanize it's a special thing, right? And so when you recognize it, uh you know it takes time it takes so you probably get to a certain age where you're like oh wow I, I see the whole journey I see how it all had to happen I see how it all happened and now we're here I mean yeah. the age I am now my parents were retiring right cuz Cause, cuz cause different generation a different route they put in 30 years in an industry like that like you're out right with your golden whatever um But, you know, listen, just getting started, just getting started, just hitting a stride now.
0: Yeah. And, you know, starting my own firm, there's been so many things that I thought I knew and I'm getting to the weeds here, but things that you're like, oh, yeah, like I, I, I hear what you're saying. And people talk about how hard it is and the different things that you have to do and how heavy the burden can be at sometimes. But actually doing it is like, oh, okay. It's like somebody could explain to you how wet the water is, but until you jump in, <laughs> you you don't know how deep it is. You don't know how cold it is, and then you're like, "Oh, okay, this is experience. This is this is experience."
1: It sure is. And if I can one one last little point to your point, like I tell folks now, even my mindset. So I'm I'm four months out of Cushman and Wakefield, right? I'm four months out of a W two. <laughs> so now I tell folks even how I move because I eat what I kill, right? So even how before I'm going to lunch with everybody. Ah! right now i'm like mm, okay gotta think about <laughs> gotta be yep. intentional about everything because i'm eating what i kill and that's a different mindset than when you're you're you know employed by a corporation and you're
0: so you got that cushion yeah it's, yeah. it's a different yeah, it's a cushion. different thing
1: yep totally but it's a good it's a good feeling to be able to uh to get to this place
0: well most of the people that i talked to before i started this and i have yeah, you know, surrounded by fantastic people and a lot of ent- entrepreneurs in my my circle and, you know, friends, family. And it's like, if you're going to do it, you know, there's, there's no, it's no great time. Like it's never going to be a perfect time. And the sooner you start, the sooner you learn the lessons, the sooner you get to the next step. Mm-hmm. And I found that to be true, at least to this, to this point. But also one of the things I noticed that the other people that have started their own business or started their own, whatever, whatever it is uh in various different fields, um, different ventures, they recognize it. And, and here, here's a big thing. Here, here's a big takeaway for me is I've realized that if you, if someone's like how things go and you're good, 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 then there's nothing to do with that. There's no way they're like, Oh, great. I'm glad you're doing well. But if you're vulnerable and you really share what your challenges are, not in a complaining whiny way, but like, Oh, I'm, this is what's happening. These are my challenges. This is what I'm trying to do. Then people have an opportunity to assist mm-hmm. Then people say, Oh, if that people like just the galvanizers like yourself say, Oh, this is what you're having trouble with. Why don't you talk to this person or have you tried this software or have you done this? This might help you. But until you're vulnerable and share what, you need help with. It's probably not going mm-hmm. that, to come. That, your... that, 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 that's the biggest lesson that I think I've learned so far.
1: Because your 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 network is your net worth, Dustin, and you've you've cultivated and curated this powerful network. So your all your solutions are right in that network, right? So if you're not talking about it, folks don't know. Folks want to help. Folks want to jump in, right? Folks want to mm-hmm. be solution. Or they should be the folks, at least the folks you want in your circle, want to be solutions oriented, and so. Whether it's, listen, I I tend to be a sponge for vulnerability and I can get vulnerable and just, you know, could just be, you know, just the authenticity. But um, no, I mean, absolutely. Because the network, if you've got a good network around you, it should, yeah, it should want to be supportive and want to see you win. And and like, even as we're talking now, like that community solar piece is stuck in my head. So we definitely oh, yeah. need to schedule after this. Oh, we're doing we, oh, We're doing it. We're doing <laughs> it. Synergy, doing. destined that we could be doing. Um, but again, that comes from talking. Whether yep. it's the good, the bad, or the ugly, if you're talking, then folks can figure out a way to help.
0: Absolutely. So, Kip, thank you so much for your time. Always uh-huh. a pleasure speaking with you. And And I know I feel like I'm walking away with a lot here, and I hope our listeners will as well.
1: Listen, this has been so fun, and like I, as I knew it would be, Dustin.
0: Because this is really, and honestly,
1: you know what this is? This is just you and I talking. Remember that time we were at the uh, IMN conference in uh, Monarch Bay, in Laguna Beach, and we're just sitting there, and you and I are talking and sharing. This was an extension of that.
0: I do, I do, and I agree.
1: Yep. So I'm just delighted. I love what you're doing with your platform. I love what you're doing with Ren. Just keep it all up. I saw your BizNow partnership with Beakren, So keep going. Um, and
0: let's collaborate. Let's do some deal. Let's do some business. Thank you. Thank you. I, I, I love it. So thank you very much. I'll talk to you soon. Okay. Take care. And I and I also, I'll share all the information of, on the show notes of how to get in contact with you and all the projects that you're working on as well.
1: Awesome. Thank you so much. You got it. Okay. Take care.
0: Thank you for tuning in to this episode of the Tools, Talents, and Techniques podcast. We hope you found the conversation insightful and engaging. And if you enjoyed this episode, we invite you to like, subscribe, and share the podcast with your network. By subscribing, you'll never miss an episode as we continue to bring you inspiring discussions with industry leaders and pioneers. Stay connected to the latest insights, trends, and strategies across various fields from business and entrepreneurship to technology and innovation. Your support is vital in helping us reach more listeners and expand our community. So don't forget to leave a review and share your feedback. We appreciate your input and are committed to delivering valuable content that empowers and inspires. To stay updated on future episodes, be sure to follow us on either LinkedIn or our website, suttonrea.com. You can also find us on most podcast platforms like Apple, Spotify, Google, and Amazon. Thank you for being part of the tools, talents, and techniques community. We look forward to bringing you more engaging conversations and valuable insights in the future. Until then, keep exploring, learning, and applying these tools, talents, and techniques to achieve your own success.